Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Veth. And as always, I am joined by Andrew Flint. Um, Andrew, um, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure where you are. I actually, I do know exactly <laughs> where you are. I sent you there. But, um, yeah, you're not in Russia. You're not in Siberia. You're not in a place that's cold, rather hot, the land of fire. Um, how is it going? I tell you what, it's it's a lot more refreshing because I actually got some air conditioning now. Um, the last two weeks, I've been in various modes of transport, crossing various regions and time zones, and I've, I I've forgotten what my wife looks like now, to be honest. Um, but at least I'm here and I'm cold, and uh, yeah, it's it's good. Baku is um, sensational. Yeah. Um... I'll take some of the blame that you haven't seen your wife in weeks because, you know, the Football Grad <laughs> Network budget is small. That meant you had to drive and take the train. Uh, well, next time we'll fly you first class. How about that? Perfect. That sounds good. I'll okay. take it. Okay, cool. Well, that's probably in another lifetime, though. Um, speaking about flying, the only way to get to the place, that, <laughs> to the place that our other guest is in, uh, Vancouver. Tim, how's it going? All the way over on the West Coast? <laughs> Happy hello. We're like in a completely again different time zones. It's it's morning in Vancouver. I'm uh, excited to be back. We're doing the podcast, uh, and it's um, an important one because we will uh, summarize the season. It was an interesting season, so it should be good. So I'm very excited. Very excited for Andrew because like he will see European Cup final. This is this is a big uh, milestone, and I'm very excited for you, buddy. So have the best uh, time of your life in Baku. Yeah. Uh, cheers, buddy. In Baku, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Baku, not the game, because the game is obviously today by the time of the recording, so we want to talk about everything else but the game and everything that's going on in Baku. Um, I know, Andrew, you're producing some work on the game um, later on, so that will be over on footballgrad.com. But um, let's talk about some quick-fire news. Um, the most legendary Russian player of all time, um, it was his birthday, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it's Andrei's Arshavin birthday. Honestly, probably the most uh, talented um, player who, a uh, Russian player, like uh, we still had players like Alexander Mostoy and a few other very talented players, but they were still products of the Soviet, um, probably Soviet school of football. Andrei Arshavin started playing in Russia and he is considered the most talented Russian player um, since the broke up so he is retired right now he is has a very very successful in my opinion career as a commentator he he does very very well in terms of just talking the game and you know like somebody does uh play by play and he does the little bit more analysis and it's very very interesting to listen to him and just even talking about football he is like he was himself back in a day um, when he was a football player he was very direct with his interviews and with his opinions and it's very 
very interesting to listen to. So even he's retired right now, he has a very active career on TV, and I'm hope he is enjoying that, and I'm hope he will keep uh, keep doing it because it's interesting for us uh, as an audience. Yeah, Andre Ashavin, horseman, fashion designer, Arsenal's best player <laughs> in the new th- new century. Um, Andrew, he's hanging out with you today, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, that's the only reason he's come to Baku, not for his <laughs> responsibilities. I mean, he just heard I was coming and he thought, right, I've got to get on a plane. Um, dragged a few camera crew with him, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I, 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 I echo everything that Tim's just said. Um, it's, it just, he's just got one of the most magical ability of the ball at his feet of, of, well, many players, to be honest, um, that I've seen. Um, and it's good to see, it's, like Tim also mentioned, it's good to see his career afterwards, his punditry going, pretty well um he's, he shows a bit of character as well which i like um when he's uh when he's commentating so yeah um like i say yeah he'll um he'll if i can you know fit in a few minutes uh, in between building up my football grab report then perhaps i'll make time to, to to chat with him but he'll have to get in the queue i think yeah i know of course we, i expect an exclusive live interview with uh, andrea Schaven in my mailbox tomorrow morning um, but I, I, I understand, Andrew, you're busy. You, you were busy or busier with other things than talking to Andrea Chavin. Like you were hanging out the, the Kabbalah Aseri Cup final victory parade in. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's where I sent you to, to, to cover it. I haven't seen anything about any, anything in my mailbox. So something must have gone wrong. What went wrong? <laughs> well, basically, the, the heavens opened about an hour before it was meant to start. Um, and yeah, I've been in, in Kabbalah yesterday, and the the mountains around the stage are absolutely stunning. But what they seem to do is attract the worst weather in the Caucasus region, to be honest. Um, they were going to start off at the stadium, and then it's only a very small place, really. Uh, it was going to start by the stadium and wind down through the main streets, but about 20 minutes before kickoff, there was literally, uh, you know, before the parade was going to start, um, absolutely nobody on the stage at all, unsurprising, really. Uh, um, just Kabbalah, the club, I haven't followed them closely, to be honest, um, but they certainly don't have the most money out of the Zeri clubs, and they've won the cup this year. Their stadium, though, is about five, 6,000 capacity, um, and I was speaking to the groundsman yesterday, and he said they don't even bother charging an entry fee at all. There are no tickets because they just can't get people to come. And even now, with free entry and only five, six thousand capacity, they still can't fill the stadium. Um, so if they struggle that badly and they've still managed to win the cup, then for a victory parade in torrential rain, I'd, I'd be surprised if even shopkeepers bothered to look at it. So, unfortunately, a bit of a damp squib again. Oh, that's that's too bad. Um... It would have been probably a pretty exciting victory parade, you know, <laughs> a cold with no fans. Um, speaking of fans, you know, I, I'm switching topics here, so don't be confused, guys. Dinamo Stadium is finally <laughs> opened, Tim. And I, I yeah. never thought we would see the day. Dinamo Stadium is finally open. Well, and the tragedy is that they're, they're, we're not going to see Stadium Hinky in use anymore. That's the biggest uh, football grand tragedy, probably. I'm not sure how U2 is going to cope with that because... <laughs> Uh, but obviously, yeah, the Dinamo Stadium is finally opened. Um, it is, well, it was supposed to be opened actually in the beginning of this year with the game against uh, Spartak, but uh, the the grass wasn't ready, so they had to do it, and finally it got opened. Uh, it will be interesting to see what will happen with uh, Dinamo uh, this season. Obviously, the the stadium, but how did they got the stadium? Because the the one of the biggest banks in Russia, uh, uh, VTB Bank. 
um, got involved into Dynamo management and um, they want to keep uh, Dynamo going. They want to make, um, you know, make it cool uh, to go to Dynamo Stadium because it's located fairly in the center of Moscow and they are building a big uh, real estate park around this stadium. So there will be some you know, there will be some uh, places where you can hang out, where you can live, and they want to make it cool to be to live in this area and to go to see Dynamo because it's a fancy stadium. Uh, what do they need to do? They obviously need to produce the results, and the, the Dynamo needs to be an attractive club. So there will be an investment of money into the club, uh, but at the same time, um, the people who are investing the money at the VTB Bank, they, to be quite honest, um, don't know how to run a football club. Uh, football club. There's one person from Dynamo management, sorry, from VTB management who is involved into, um, who is a big football fan and he hangs out at the different games and he uh, has been seen, you know, talking to Giner and talking to other people in uh, football. But again, we don't really know how much experience uh, of actual management and VTB involvement in the management of the club we will see. So it's a very interesting to see. We expect to see lots of, not lots of, but some tra- transfer activity, transfers into Dynamo, and um, we will see how this all work, will work out. But obviously, that's one more stadium, and I've just recently, I, was, I have been thinking about that. It's really nice. Like, you know, the World Cup was such a massive help. It's such a pleasure to see games on beautiful stadiums. Even, you know, like majority of the teams right now in the league uh, have beautiful stadiums, and it's really gave um, just a nice even picture view um, for the league. So there's one more a beautiful stadium open, so it's it's obviously great for us. I'm going to miss Kimki. I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure you are, man. Sure yeah. you are. Yeah, that, that train ride, uh, usually hungover. I'm going to just miss it. <laughs> No, who am I kidding? I'm not. Um, who I am going to miss those? Igor Denisov. He's going to retire. Yeah. Uh, Tim, that's that's that that's a piece of news that kind of fell under the table a little bit. Um, but you know, that's that's a big player, basically. It's very recent news. Yeah. Yeah, look, you know, Igor Denisov, he has been the captain of the Lokomotiv side who won uh, the league last year. He played uh, this year, but then um, pretty much the 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 reason why he finished his career because he really wants to play every single match 90 minutes and he can't really tolerate being on the bench and that was the confidence that was the reason why he hasn't been playing recently because uh, he, you know he Yuri Sermon in, in few matches made the decision that he wasn't you know the best player to be in the starting lineup and he ended up on the bench and Denisov never didn't really like that and pretty much that's that's the reason why he is finishing his career he he really wants to play at the highest level uh, every game 90 minutes and to be the leader but um, you know, maybe on his age, based on his age, he is like not the genius of he was back then. So he finished. He has had a very interesting, very uh, controversial career. Uh, but obviously one of the best players of that Zenit generation and uh, who is, will be always associated with Zenit and um, who will be a controversial person. We will see what, what he does next. But I don't I don't see him be doing Andrea Shavin and being involved in, in TV. He, he always has been a very, very private person. So I don't think he will um, be on TV. Maybe he'll stay in football or maybe he will even do some business. So excited to see. But again, great player, played for national team. So thanks for him for his contribution over the years. I'm going to miss Igor Denisov. I, I really do hope that um, 
he, you know, he does does what Andrea Schaven did just a few months ago and ride a white horse in the middle of Moscow. Uh, it would be fitting to his character. Um, <laughs> yeah, fitting. it will. Where he he've done a lot of controversial things, and um, yeah, interesting things. So yeah, we'll see what he does. Maybe maybe they will do a horse race with Andrea Shaven, his former uh, teammate. <laughs> yeah, that would be controversial. Speaking of controversy, um, Andrew, you just you just uh, nudged that little piece of information over <laughs> to me. Oleg Ivanov is a Spice Girl fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I didn't mention this earlier, actually, but um, yeah, after the Akbar Rostov game, I was um, just hanging around in the mixer trying to get a comment, and somebody had told me that he speaks English, so I went over to speak to him, and his fiancée was standing there as well, and she, she speaks very good English, um, and it's really the wife who's the fan, but um, the wife is going, oh, sorry, the fiancée, um, she's going to London to watch the Spice Girls reunion tour, um, so, I, so I asked her, I said, I don't get you a Spice Girls fan, really. And he said, yeah, but my wife's a big fan, really. Um, but yeah, there you go. You've got a big, tall, tough, aggressive midfielder. Personally, I think he's a very talented one. Um, but it doesn't fit the image of a Spice Girls fan, does it, really, to be honest? <laughs> my world is shattered. My worldview is... <laughs> I... I... <laughs> breaking, breaking the field. I mean, I can't, I just, this is, yeah, let's move on. Um, <laughs> it's not even a famous money segue into the next section. No, it's, even it's uh, I, I'm completely <laughs> lost for words. Um, that said, you know, um, yeah, no, no, never mind. Um, <laughs> let's, let's do the Russian Premier League results, the final match day. Uh, I, before I'm completely lost for words here and I don't know how to continue this podcast. Um, yeah, so the results, final results, final match day. Um, we're almost done with the season. We're not quite done with the season because there's a couple of things that we that need to be taken care of, but we'll get to that. Um, the results were Ahmad 1, Rostov 0. Andrew, you were at this game. There's a good report on this game on footballgrad.com. Senate 4, Yenisei 1. Yenisei uh, uh, saying goodbye in proper fashion. Krasnodar 1, Kazan 0. Krasnodar in the Champions League. Orenburg 2, Spartak 0. I, I, Tim, I'm sure you were delighted about this result. Dynamo 3, Arsenal Tula 3. Um, fitting way to open a new stadium with 6 goals. CSKA, huh, they also did 6 goals in their game, but all for themselves. Like 0, Krylia Svetov. Anshi, 0, 2, Ural. Uh, I know, Andrew, you're going to be happy about this for, for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, yeah, your team won. And second of all, Anshi... Uh, uh, this is probably the goodbye result from the Russian Premier League for some time. And then Loco won Ufa 0. Um, Loco are now in the Champions League as well. Let's start with this. We all knew Sinit is the champion. Uh, we've known this for some time. Begrudgingly, I admit it, I got my uh, prediction wrong. I thought it would be Krasnodar. Um, didn't quite work out. Shame on Krasnodar. But, you know, um, what did what Krasnodar did manage? Um, Champions League qualification, Tim. You know, this has been something that they've been trying to get for a long, long time, and they fell short a few times, but they, they finally seem to be there. Of course, they still have to get through the qualification stage, which is difficult, but still a massive, massive uh, result for them at the end of the season. 
Yes, it is. And I think the most important what we need to know is that there is a progression. Krasnodar is a very young club. They've been around only about 10 years and they started in the lowest division. They made it their way pretty quickly to the Premier League. Uh, they were in, interested. They first off, first of all, they obviously stayed up uh, very, very confidently. Then they were a very strong mid-table side. Then they first uh, made to the Europe, uh, to Europa League. Uh, then they opened their stadium. Then they became a regular club uh, representing Russia in Europa League. Then they made it to the playoffs of the Europa League. And um, this is pretty much the next logical step. Um, it makes sense for them to uh, play. Well, it doesn't make sense for them, obviously, because they want to go straight into the championship. League, but it just uh, the st- st- uh, next step for their program. Uh, now they should try the um, <clears throat> the Champions League qualification round. It will be very very tough for them because they obviously have no coefficient and uh, they will be uh, facing quite experienced teams. But again, this is just experience for a very young club which is just doing everything right. Uh, I won't be surprised if um, if everything goes um, as they're doing in you know five to ten years. We will be uh, considering them as a one of the main favorites to win the league. So this is, again, a massive achievement for them. We will see how they will strengthen their side. They, they already made a couple of interesting transfers. Uh, we've seen how strong their um, uh, scouting system is because they, uh, they've they been able to find some players who we never heard of, and those players ended up being uh, very big contributors to their game and then ended up leaving the club. Um, you know, uh, to go into bigger, bigger things. So um, again, just another congratulations, and you know, I will never stop uh, congratulating and really setting Kastar as an example as the probably ideally run club uh, in Russia because they have uh, the club with pretty much no fans ten years ago. Right now, sells out their beautiful arena. They play in Europe, and that's only was done in 10 years, and it's obviously the massive, massive achievement by their owner and the president, Sergei Galitsky. It's it just it's it's phenomenal result to do such a massive uh, project in such a short time and being consistently successful and progressing. Um, I just I just have only the words of respect to Krasnodar, and pretty much in Russia, this is everyone's second favorite team because everyone loves what they do. They play nice football. Um, they're very very welcoming for the fans. It's it's just such a nice story, and I I'm not absolutely not surprised Manu that you were giving them the you know betting them for uh, the champions because really it's 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 a club which everyone likes nobody really dislikes uh, Krasnodar unless maybe a Kubain Krasnodar fans but there's not too many of them so great story I think everyone in Russia will be cheering for them in Champions League and we will just hope that you know somehow they make it to the group but even if they don't it's all good because you can see the progress yeah, absolutely. Um, Andrew, do you have anything to add to what Tim has to say about uh, Krasnodar? I think, you know, um, he sums it up really well, but the, this, you, I know that you have been working very closely with the club. You've done a few stories on the club. You've been to the stadium and the facilities. Um, I think it, this is, this is, was only a matter of time for this to happen, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what most people are hoping is that they can actually hold their own, um, if and when they get to the group stages. Um, I think something else to mention as well, they've, they've also, you've got to remember, they're letting Mauricio Pereira and Charles Cabaret go. Um, they're both leaving the club this summer. So those are two huge, huge players in their starting lineup. But they've already started their recruitment well. Uh, um, they've, um, they've brought in two, or these pre-contract agreements, whatever they are. Um, 
So they they're a very like Tim says, a very well organised, well run club. Um, and I, the the reason I want them to do well is not just because I enjoy watching their style of football, but because I want it to be an example that other clubs end up being unable to ignore, and hopefully it becomes um, normal for investment on this. Not just this level of investment, because you can't avoid the fact that a huge amount of money has been put into the club by Glitzky, but it's been put in sensibly in the right way. Um, and, you know, like like I've said before in the podcast um, uh, about the the plans for the development, they had a five-year plan when they have players in the first-team squad. Um, and and now we're seeing the likes of, of Shappy and um, Ivan Ignatyev coming through. Daniel Ludkin had a few games towards the end of the season as well. Um and that's the that's healthy. So their recruitment is good, their development is good. It's just whether they can whether they can um, be bold enough and get through to the group stages. Nobody nobody will really be devastated if they don't make it out of the group stage because very few Russian clubs have managed that um, in the Champions League in recent years. But if they can get there and hold their own, then it'll be a huge step forward for Russian football, not just for Krasnodar. Yeah, a big step um, also for local second year in a row in the Champions League. Um, quick one for both of you guys and Andrew, because you know, you're already talking. Uh, <laughs> um, your thoughts, are they going to be any better than they were last year in the in the Champions League? Well, yeah, this season they were desperately disappointed. Um, just such a lack of intent from them. When I, I you know, saw them the, the Schalke game um, and it was just a dire, dire game. Sort of the worst side of, of Jordi Simmons football and um, Practical defensive ball. I'm not entirely sure what I think about them. Oh, I, players. I think they're better suited and better prepared to actually make a challenge. Um, so we'll see. Um, I mean, I've, of course, I hope we do well for Russian club state, but I don't have a lot of faith in their ability to make much impact in the group stage. Yeah, Tim, what is your thoughts? For, for me, you know, like I, I was projecting that uh, Lokomotiv will have a very, very tough time this season, and I, I was 100% sure they're not going to make it to the Champions League again. Uh, um, but I thought that it will be too tough for them to uh, participate in both in the fighting for Champions League again and playing the tournament itself. But uh, Yuri Seven proved me wrong again, and I'm you know very respectful to him <laughs> for that. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure what to expect um, from them in Champions League because we don't know uh, what will happen uh, in the transfer window. Uh, Igor Denisov right now left. Uh, there may be some other departures. Uh, we talked a few. Uh, times about uh, further small of potentially leaving. Obviously, there's no uh, real big new news on that sense, but we need to know what kind of lineup uh, will be there. But to be quite honest, I don't expect anything much better than when uh, than what we've seen um, uh, this season. There, there's not really like it, their quality is enough to kind of scrape one nothing victories over clubs like Ufa and uh, I don't know Yenisei um, in in the Russian league. But that squad depth and that squad quality is obviously not enough to do in Champions League and you know it's it's not really their problem it's just the kind of the, the, the level of Russian clubs uh, as of right now because you know very very uh, rarely Russian clubs make it out out of uh, group in Champions League so I don't really ex ex uh, expect much but at the same time you know for them this is massive like yeah, it's financial uh, financial influx uh, two years in a row in Champions League it just really the status is, is of the club is back so obviously Yuri Sermon I, I don't know how he still does it 
conflict, but as you can see, two years in a row, uh, we remember how he had conflict with the management. Right now, everything is settled. Uh, the management is his people, and Yurin Semen delivered uh, uh, the league and uh, straight uh, Champions League in two years. This is just phenomenal result. I still don't know how he does it at his age and he, how he finds motivation and how he manages the players. But um, like, um, I don't know it is, if it's probably the, the most beautiful and enjoyable team to watch in, in, in Russia, but it's clearly uh, the results are just uh, speaking for itself. So I, I don't know. It's it's I, I don't know how they do it because because really I I, I don't see them even yeah I, I I don't know how to explain that. Yeah, I think you got us. We're all a little bit confused about Loco being in the Champions League again. Um, because I you know I look at the the next set of teams: Ceska, Spartak. Okay, maybe not Arsenal, Tula, but you know Ceska and Spartak, and those would have been the teams that I would have expected to finish in the top three, and it didn't. Um, exactly. Quick thoughts on the three teams that you know, are going to represent Russia. I think CSKA and Spartak, tons of experience, international football, right? But Arsenal, Tula? Yeah. We're <laughs> both <laughs> <laughs> not sure what to say about that, to be honest. You know what? I tell you what, though, we've got to bear in mind that, that Tula are a phenomenally entertaining side. They do, unfortunately, have to give back to you boys. Um, so replacing him, actually, will be quite difficult, I think, because he's he gives a slightly less direct, more I know, uh, slightly more fluid option to Mirzov on the other wing. Um, actually, for me, um, Mirzov has been one of their players, if not their player of the season. I just think he's absolutely fantastic on the ball. He always makes an impact, always taking players on. He can go to ground a little easily, but then nowadays most players do, to be honest. Um, but they they are they're an entertaining side. They could could spring a surprise. If they get one or two slightly weaker sides in their group, um, you, you never know. You honestly never know. I mean, I've got to get to the group seat. Yeah. But uh, it's um, it's going to be an intriguing test of how... Because if you think about it, that top five, those top five clubs, you associate playing in Europe every season, and then you assume there's going to be a huge drop-off to the next group of teams. You know, for example, might have always been mid-table there or there. He's really seems ready to step up. Um, how the next group can cope and Arsenal to the top of that group is going to be going to be fascinating. I have seen suspicion they might be okay. I'm, you know, the one thing that I would be worried about if I was Arsenal Tula, we saw what happened, and this is going to be a wonderful uh, transition to our next topic. We saw what happened to Ufa, right? Because they have to play those three rounds of qualification to get to the group stage. The I think they they start it's sometimes next month already. Um, the Europa League qualification stages are start very early in the season. Uh, um, might be early July, actually, not early mid June, but still, like very early start of the season. And Ufa, um, they're now in that relegation zone, <laughs> you know, and that's that shows you for a smaller club it can be quite tricky. Um, yes, they were entertaining to watch. Entertaining is always is always great. Um, Tim, another side that we always thought was very entertaining for years and years and years has finally been relegated. Anchi Mahachkala, they're gone. Um, who's gonna entertain us next year? Well, I don't know if you get uh, so much negative entertainment from any other club, or maybe my club can contribute because, yeah, we we have money, but we we have the negative entertainment as much as as you want. But uh, back to Anji, it's very 
tough situation. They out of money completely. The government doesn't want them to give the money. And a million times we touched on that topic on this podcast that, you know, there are lots of uh, government sponsored uh, clubs and literally the Gestan government said, no, we're not going to give you money. Uh, players, I don't know, haven't been paid for how many, um, for how many months the club really they might even go a few, a few levels down and they might be uh, they may they can maybe you know be done completely so it's a very tough situation um english uh, fans probably remember them um, just recently if just a few years back when they were buying uh, players for crazy money and when we had Eto'o and Roberto Carlos playing in Russian Premier League. But now this story is very, very sad. Um, Dagestan, the people like the football there. It's like uh, Andrew will have a little bit more of inside insides information. But honestly, like it's, it's a sad story and uh, there's nothing really says that uh, we will see Angie back to Premier League in the near future because it's it looks like they're completely out of money and the government isn't interested and there's no real investors. So well, tough situation the entertainment is finished yeah that's sad um i i will uh, you know that the statue of the gigantic ferrari um that's always been one of my favorite stories when it comes to Dakistan football um yeah well, we won't be able to report very much about that part of the caucasus next year uh, although there's always ahmed krosny right andrew so <laughs> we always got that <laughs> uh, but speaking of <laughs> speaking of sca- crazy <laughs> stories and um Government-funded teams. We all remember the chaos surrounding Tom Tomsk, right? And the utterly fire sale that they had in their last year of the Russian Premier League. Um, they are in the promotion playoffs facing Ufa. Now, Andrew, this is an interesting story <laughs> because Tom Tomsk playing in the promotion playoffs without actually having a license for the Russian Premier League. Uh, you got to explain this to me because I, I have been following Russian football for some time <laughs> and this is confusing to me. <laughs> I think I just have to start by, by saying, this is, I'm assuming that there cannot be another league or setup in the world that could be quite as idiotic as only in Russia could this happen. Um, I mean, I stand to be corrected. If any of our listeners know a league that this also happens, then please do, please do, please do let us know. Um, basically, we've got the relegation playoffs. We've got third and fourth possibly. The Premier League's playing third and fourth in the Fenel, the second tier. Now, I was convinced this was wrong, but I have been assured that what happens when you have one of those four teams who has refused or has not been granted a license for the Premier League, but plays in the playoffs anyway, which is this, which is what has happened with Tom Tom, that if Ulf are playing Tom Toms, Tom Toms can't go up. Whatever happens, they don't have a license. They want a license. Um, now, if Ufa win, of course they stay up. But if they lose and Krylia Sovietov lose, so Krylia Sovietov lose, they would um, be replaced in the top by, by Nishni Novgorod. Um, then, then Ufa would uh, would not be promoted. Krylia would stay up because Krylia would be the highest placed team left in the playoffs, aside from a club Tom Tom who have refused a license. I don't know if that makes any sense <laughs> to anybody, but that's unfortunately the state No, of no, it doesn't. No, absolutely. Okay, so, wait. I'll, I'll so, so basically, if Crelia and Ufa win, they both stay up. That's easy. That's the easy part, right? Yeah. Um, if 
Clelia lose and Ufa win, then uh, Nizhny Novgorod go up, and of course Ufa would also stay up. That's easy enough. We can understand that. That's clear, right? Now, the problem is when Ufa lose. If Krylia win, then they stay up. Nizhny Novgorod cannot be promoted because they've lost that part of the playoffs. But if Ufa lose and Krylia win, then Ufa stay up because Tom Toms can't replace them because they are lower in that 14 little mini league, if you like. If they both <laughs> lose, that's when Ufa go down. Okay. Um, that's an yeah. interesting way of doing it. Why not just get that? Somebody actually considers the idea that the four teams entering a playoff must be able to be promoted. Otherwise, what a <laughs> playoff. No, 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 that's far too simple for the Russian football authorities. See, but, yep, that's um, basically the state of play. <laughs> I know this is, this is, this is sort of a, a dumb question because th this will not be answered by anyone. But <laughs> I'm going to ask it anyways. Why not just give it to the next team in the FNL standings? If Tom don't you, want it, like... Manu, Manu, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that question in the only way possible, because that's far too logical. Okay. That one, <laughs> okay. Oh, dear. That, that, worked, what, that answer works I, for me. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, though, if they did do that, and they, they gave that place to fifth place, that would be Chitanova. Now, that would be a fascinating story. But I know it's going to sound like I'm a bit of a killjoy. I wouldn't want Chitanova to be promoted because they just... I don't think it, they're really at that stage where they would be they would be ready to survive. I've seen, I've seen them play in the Fennel um, a few times. And although their lead placement of fifth looks very promising, of course, mathematically, on paper it is, um, and I've said this so many times, people have to believe me. It's not just me trying to make Chimeno's dire situation look better, but there really is very little difference in quality between a lot of teams in that division. And when Chitanova came to play Chimen, they ended up winning. But for the first 60 minutes, they were completely out forward. Um, and it's not me being biased. I genuinely do mean this. Chimen, bottom of the table this season, outplayed them for the first half an hour. Not purely physically either. There was a bit of a physical advantage, but there was a mentality difference as well. Um, they just do have the quality to finish teams off when they have the chance. Top scorers in the division. Um, but in the Premier League, I think they would struggle. So I'm actually pleased that they're not going up yet. Yeah, also they don't have a license for the Russian Premier League. They didn't. Well, that's it. They, that, uh, <laughs> mind a little detail. They didn't, they didn't ask for one. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for clarifying this very confusing uh, relegation playoff system. Um, I'll clarify it as a, as a big word, but yeah, thanks. Sort of just rewriting the understanding, should we say. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 basically, Ufa, Ufa lose, Krile lose, Ufa that. Remember yeah. that. That's the one bit to okay. remember. Uh, Manu, can I just quickly ask uh, Andrew a question? Because we have Nizhny Novgorod team in the, um, mm. the playoffs. Uh, Andrew, could you please give a little bit of profile? Uh, I just looked at their lineup. They, they have uh, lots of young Russian players. They obviously have the World Cup stadium. Uh, they have the Cherishev's father um, managing them. Uh, you obviously have seen them probably. Could you please give a little bit profile if they have any chances against Kirill Sovietov and if they um, make it to Russian Premier League, what kind of contribution they can make? Well, the thing about um, Nishin Novgorod is that they, like a lot of Fenner, we can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. 
Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's going to sound boring, but they struggled to find a reliable goal scorer. Um, mm. When they came to Turin, uh, I think it was nil. I think actually, um, and I asked, uh, I asked Mr. Cherishev himself afterwards. I said, well, what, "What's your biggest challenge at this level?" And he said, "Just signing, signing a, a forward. Um, it's just impossible to find reliable, um, experienced goal scorers at this level." In this, they have a, they do have a very um, young squad, a, a very a, a deep squad, should we say? Um, Archon Gilkin is one one player I just wouldn't mind picking out. He did actually play for Chumen for part of the season, anyway. Um, now he had one season where he scored sixteen goals in the Fenel, which at the time made him, I think it was three seasons ago, and he was joint top goal scorer. But since then, he's he's struggled desperately. Um, I mean, he's a very very mobile player. He works mostly on you know, speed and movement rather than brute strength. He's He's, he's an intelligent, and yet he's struggled massively to score reliably. So, if they get promoted, they will need they will need to um, uh, buy a, a fair few players. Um, they are they're not a thrilling side. They're not going to break sides down through sheer attacking prowess. And I think they will struggle against Krilia, even though Krilia have been on a desperate run of form. Um, I think they've lost something like five out of the last six games, and. Seven out of another nine, I believe it is. Um, all that experience that Krulia brought in over the winter break has not really had the effect they hoped it would. But I think in the playoffs, it probably will just about be enough. When you're playing Roman Shishkin as your defensive playmaker, then you've really got to worry. Um, but yes, <laughs> to answer your question, I, think, I don't think Krulia should worry too much, really. Um, they're not going to be threatened a great deal. But they will have to make sure that the first leg, which will be initially not good tomorrow, I think they will probably play for a draw, which will be a good result for them, and bring it back to the uh, bring it back to Samara, and they will finish the job there. I think. You know, here's my prediction, because it's Russia. This is what's going to happen. Nishni Novgorod and Kirill Sovetov both have World Cup stadiums, so bear with me here, uh, uh-huh. guys. So Nishni Novgorod is going to win their playoffs. Tom Toms is going to beat Ufa. Voila, two World Cup stadiums in the in the city in the city in the first league next year. Manu, how could you be so cynical to suggest that? <laughs> <laughs> add to that Sochi, add to add to that Sochi because they were promoted. Boom, you got three World Cup stadiums added to the Russian Premier League next year. Right it here first, football grad exclusive. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you may you may be maybe on something there. Oh, no, you mentioned stadiums. Uh, this minor side note: Ufa have yet again announced new plans for a new stadium, which I think is is going to hold twenty thousand. Well, that's the plan. Um, there is even talk of a retractable roof, which is just so utterly ridiculous. 
far do not need a stadium much bigger than 10, 11, 12,000. Um, but even if they did, it wouldn't be able to compete with the World Cup stadium. So, and that's what you, I think you're suggesting, possibly. Yeah. No. Priorities might be to have more World Cup stadiums in the top five, man. Yeah, that's... Um... <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, um, we had a different topic on here, but I, I'm going to jump it for now because I want to actually talk straight about the uh, Football National League, guys, uh, and the promotion because we already cut on it. Tumpov and Sochi promoted. Um, Sochi, massive surprise they're going up. You know, it, it's it's just so surprising that Dinamo St. Petersburg, once they got a World Cup stadium, managed to get into the Russian Premier League. So we don't need to talk too much about that. But Tumpov, Tim... Um, I hear rumors that they might be playing at the World Cup Stadium too. Yeah, we all, yeah, we heard those those rumors about them playing in Volgograd uh, mm-hmm. potentially, uh, which is um, yeah, a bit of a drive from Tambov. Uh, but yeah, from what we understand, the Tambov Stadium was not really ready to host uh, Russian Premier League games, and um, they're looking at different options, and Volgograd is one of their options. Uh, but in, in general, in Tambov, I'm very worried for them. I said this on on podcast mm. a few times, and I have history of that. When a team, uh, when a side comes back, um, comes from um, FNL and doesn't strengthen their side, their their squad, they go straight back, back down. Uh, and you see, this year is a good example. My home club, uh, Sibir, is a perfect example. Himki, mm, there was uh, Arimburg for the first time when when they uh, came on. There's so many examples. If you don't really strengthen, if you don't really buy yeah. experienced Russian Premier League um, players, uh, you're out. So... I, all those clubs who, who will make it, Sochi looks like they have the budget to do something, and um, and they have the, again like the World Cup stadium. Uh, both, I'm not sure what's their financial situation, so now uh, we will see. But again, there's again new clubs in Russia. Um, hopefully, again, pretty much almost every stadium. If that happens, if Tambov plays in Volgograd, almost every stadium will be a pretty good stadium, maybe except well, Tula is still a. a not a bad stadium, so that's as exciting. So hopefully Volgograd will get uh, Tambov, but I'm not sure how many people will show up to the games. Such a coincidence! Uh, I'm shocked. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew, relegation. I see on the list Fako, Sibir, Sydney two, and uh, Tumen. Um, yeah, well, PFL it is, I guess. But um, relegation is never that easy in FNL. No. <laughs> <laughs> we want it to be logical and easy to understand, Manny. Yeah, uh, you put a bunch of things down on this piece of paper here. And um, yeah, uh, Textile Chick license rejected. They're appealing it tomorrow. So that's a PFL team. Neither yep. Sakhalin or Om, nor Omsk. I'm very disappointed about Sakhalin not going up. It makes me very sad. That would have been our yep. closest team, Tim. We could have... <laughs> I mean, they're just across the, the Pacific. You know, I mean, we could practically swim there. Um, but they are yeah, not... Yeah, lo- a local, a new local favorite club. Yeah, exactly. We could have, like, made a local Sakhalin fan club. Uh, we'll just support <laughs> them in the PFL instead. But, yeah, they're not going up. Um, so, Fakel looked like they're already safe. Um, but, Andrew, surely there is still hope for you, man. There's enough clubs to go belly up <laughs> in the summer. The summer is always very long. So, uh, walk us through it. What is going on here? Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, just just to use um, last season as an example, um, all five teams were rescued. Um, yeah, what do I see happening here? Um, I I I just I don't want to give myself any hope, but the annoying thing is there is a hell of a lot of hope because of what you just mentioned. So many 
sides are struggling to receive, don't want licenses, or won't be given them. Um, I mean, Angie, you mentioned to um, there is very, very strong talk they will be in the PFL rather than Fennel, um, if they survive at all, that is. And if they don't receive or don't apply for a licence and end up not playing Fennel, then, in theory, that's three teams saved, so Sevilla would be up. <coughs> and then you've got Zanit Dubal and Zanit. Uh, Zanit Dubal and Tumen, sorry. Um, two more teams. Could two more teams refuse a licence or be refused? I think it's very possible. I don't think it will happen two, two years in a row, but um, you never know. You never know. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the nature of the FNL. That's the nature of... FNL eventually becomes like one of those uh, um, North American leagues. It's closed <laughs> leagues, and next year they will have draft, probably. Yeah, they should just like, make franchises, you <laughs> well, know? Well, I mean, we, we've talked about... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God knows how that would work. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we, we thought about the restructuring of, well, what we would look at as the restructuring of the, the league system. Um, and if, if we have another season, yet another season of clubs refusing promotion, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You've got Tom Toms there, who are third in the table, have a very good chance of going up, and they've been quite open and public about not wanting to go up. That should, I mean, it happens every year, but nothing seems to change. What is it going to take to, to really jolt them? The, the Russian football union into thinking, hang on a minute, something's wrong here if teams just flat out don't want to get promoted. Um, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's it's always good summer st feeling stuff, though. You know, we always worried that there's nothing to write about in the summer, and actually, there's the more drama is taking place. Um, you know, most other countries, it's yeah. it's transfers, and in Russia, it's licensing. That's just how it is. You know. It's great. I, I love it. We had we had some really good articles about it last year, and uh, we'll probably have some really good ones this year again. Um, I love it. It's it's great. So even if Anchi are not in the Russian Premier League, I'm pretty sure Tambov and Sochi will do just fine, um, supplying us with plenty of material. Um, Andrew, now to you because you've been traveling. Um, I'm sorry we have been basically driving you around and putting you on uh, <laughs> half star hotel rooms. Um, you really didn't have to pay three pounds for a hotel room. You know, a budget isn't quite that small. You could have paid at least <laughs> ten. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just saying. And it would have been more in the budget than three pounds a night. But um, let's start with the Russian Cup final. You were there uh, in Samara. Uh, yeah. And um, you were hopeful. And it didn't quite work out so well. Because Lokomotiv, uh, for the second time in three years, beat Ural in the final. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm just, I I had to come to terms with it as, as quick as I could. In, uh, the game South Loco were, they were a class, a class five. They looked a much more complete side than they've looked for the last parts of the season. I know it's going to sound like it's in the second of the table, but um, I felt like they, they always feel like they're just holding something the whole time. Um, and Tim, you mentioned you want how good a ship does it um, year in, year out. Um and I think part of it is just simply his, his ultra-cautious approach. And in the final, to be fair, um, they they were very they They played Grigorz Kuturiak at centre-back, which was an interesting selection. Um, uh, but Dimitri Baranov was absolutely sensational in midfield. He was, he was brilliant. He really was. Um, and I can't be too disappointed because well, we were good. We had a lot of problems, though, with players missing. Uh, and Eric Butralby was suspended. Um, 
And what it meant was that Dimitri Papionov had to juggle his side in a way he wasn't entirely comfortable with, but he was still inventive. He still had, well, effectively four forwards on the pitch. Um, he really went for it. The first five minutes, it looked like I would take the game to Loco and Dominic, but um, very soon it fell into the pattern that Loco and Dominic version, which they did, um, and never really looked like losing one no lead. So, unfortunately, that dream of European football in Yekaterinburg is, is gone for another season. But don't worry, we will be back eventually. <laughs> Always optimistic. I love it. Um, you know, but... <laughs> It's it's that's that's the Andrew that we know and love. But uh, you know the you weren't quite done there because you then moved on to. I have to kind of give my mental map up. You you went down south uh, from Samara, yeah. correct, to Grozny. Now, um, obviously oh, yes. you're still around. You're on this podcast, so you haven't been kidnapped. Um, although <laughs> maybe you are, and you're just like doing this from a cave somewhere in the Caucasus Mountains, uh, you never know. <laughs> how how was Grosny? I I am I'm very intrigued. Well, I, you know, it's um, it's a very conflicting thing, really, because obviously the region has a history and a background to how it um, how it be, became affluent, which um, is. I, I don't really know how to word this, but not to everybody's liking. Um, some of the human rights abuses that have gone on in Czechia are just appalling. But just physically, and I, I do, there's no way do I mean to airbrush what I've just mentioned out of the picture, but if you look physically at the architecture, the way the city's laid out, it's absolutely stunning in the very, very centre, but only in the very, very centre. It's such a bizarre situation you've got. I mean, seriously, this is this about sums it up. The main mosque in the centre that uh, that uh, was built in honour of Akmar Kadyrov lies right at the point where Putin Avenue becomes Kadyrov Avenue. I mean, just it sums the city up for me. But I mean, you go two blocks away from the centre, and it's it's literally literally a bomb site where where the central market used to be is only two or three blocks from um, the Akmar Kadyrov Mosque. And now it is complete rubble from the Chechen Wall, still hasn't been rebuilt. Um, so the very centre is designed to wow and impress you, and it does. Um, but you stray much off the beaten track, and you, you see a city that's, well, I mean, can sound distasteful, but looks like it had a serious wall two decades ago. Um, so, yeah, uh, an interesting place, should we say, a place of contrast. Mm. Well, you mentioned this on um, there's there's a couple of very good books, by the way, out um, out there on the Chechnya war, and um, it is a it is a conflict. It was one of the most horrendous conflicts in the in the 1990s and also in the 2000s. Of course, Putin waging war twice against the Chechen people in support of some Chechens, but against the rebels as well. And um, there's there's some very good reading material out there, and I, I thought it was really interesting when we we've been chatting, um, you, you know, on the football Road network. We have we have a chat group where we where we talk internally about um, various things, uh, including press food meals. Um, but on a more serious <laughs> note, um, you mentioned, and I've read this in um, one of the Secret Soldiers War. I think it was the book that that stood out the most for me. Um, it's the it was the most bombed city since World War Two. Um, you know, that's just the mm -hmm. amount of damage that they had there, and it's interesting that the, the way they rebuild it, but also the fact that it's still visible. Well, yeah, I mean that that's that's the thing. It was um, 
when I when I arrived, I I booked into a, a hostel right in the centre because I wanted to be near the the main places because I had to do a bit of freelance photography work around. And um, and the th- so the first site I had the city was the best site. It was it, I've never seen a city of such contrast in such such close proximity. That was mm. the thing. You know, most cities will have a less affluent area um, where the roads weren't quite as well maintained or houses weren't quite as grand. But this is this was just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I was I was standing at the top of the business centre. There's a small business area where they have uh, the Crosby City Centre Hotel, and they're about uh, roughly a hundred metres high. Um, and you can pay a hundred rubles, go up to the roof, have a look around Crosby, and the views are absolutely stunning. And right across the road is where they're about to build, or plan to build the Aqua Tower, which I was told, I don't know exactly how many meters, but it was over 400 meters is the plan. And to put the context, the, there's the Ostankino Tower in Moscow, I believe, tallest structure in Russia, and I, I don't think that's 400 meters itself. Yeah, it I is. To be, yeah. It is. Yeah, 400, uh, okay. 414. Um, well, it, okay, so let's put it in that context. We're talking about a building. In Grozny, which is going to be almost as tall as the tallest building in Russia. I mean, it's just the the ostentatious need to shove wealth in such a focused area is bizarre. It does have an impressive effect where it is, but then in contrast to the rest of the region. Um, I mean, I just got to mention this because you mentioned my traveling. I had to get the train from Grozny to Baku. The train doesn't run through across about 30 kilometers out to a, a place called Chinona. And I, this is this is the effectively the, the main station for for well, for Chedis because it's the nearest station on the main to Grozny. It's a, a tiny village um, station where cows were wandering across the track because it's scrubland the other side. Um, I was the only person getting on the train there. The train stopped for two minutes, and normally it stops at 10, 15 minutes. I just, oh, the contrast. You know, the centre of Grozny spectacular everywhere else around it. Not quite so. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. And then of course, you went uh, down south because you're at the Europa League final um, today uh, in Baku. Um, don't want to talk too much about the game itself because obviously by the time of the time the time this uh, is going to be out the game has been done but what's been baku like what's been the train journey been like to to get down from krosny to azerbaijan well it was um it, the, the train ride down was was, was decent enough. It was about 18 19 hours um pretty pretty comfortable did you eat, did you eat doshurak uh, no i didn't I just, I didn't, I, the last time I had to Dushirak was when I was still single, um, so that was quite some time ago, um, but I got the brilliant platform food, that's one of the best things about Russian train travel for me, is you stop off and on stops along the way, and it's a bit of a lottery about what food you're going to get, but most of these small stations will set up stores, and they had these brilliant, brilliant pies, they had one with potato in it, a bit of onion, light seasoning, but pretty good. Um, on the XM uh, ratings, that was about 0.7, I think I gave it. Um, but then I bought six of them, so that's four. <laughs> <laughs> they were so tasty. The train was okay, and um, I shared it with a, a Chelsea fan called Azamat, and he was very confident. He thinks it's going to be 4-0, by the way. So when you're listening to this, if it really is 4-0, <laughs> Azamat's your man for predictions. But uh, yeah, comfortable train. 
Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, having the game in, uh, in Baku. And Tim, I kind of want to bring you in on this. Um, Mikitarian, a player that we've covered a lot on the, the Football Grad Network because of his Armenian origin, um, eventually did decide not to travel to play in Azerbaijan. This is the third time he has not traveled to Azerbaijan, by the way. There was, um, he played with Dortmund against Kabbalah. Uh, did not end up going. And then, of course, I think with Arsenal, um, I believe it was against Karabakh, he opted not to go either. The background on this, Armenian athletes have competed in Azerbaijan. It is difficult for them because of the ongoing conflict and the occupation of uh, Armenia, of the Danakorno karabakh region, right? Um, and this is actually the sticking point and why Mkhitaryan um, does not feel safe traveling to Azerbaijan is the fact that he has visited like, the Nagorno-Karabakh region. Now that's uh, considered by Azerbaijani law an illegal border crossing and is um, is punishable with a jail sentence. So this is, the the I think, one of the things that hasn't really been mentioned in a lot of the media is not the fact that he's just an Armenian citizen, but also the fact that he's actually um, crossed into Nagorno-Karabakh. Now, of course, um, a lot of the complaints have been he's not going should the game, in your opinion, take place in a city um, where there is a conflict like that possible for a player not to go? Oh, you're just opening a massive <laughs> whoa, like warm box of how people yeah. say here in Canada. It's uh, On the one side, we have FIFA, and on the other side, we have just a player's safety. And obviously, FIFA do it. They have this plan of delivering the game all over the world. And I'm sure that, um, you know, that game is bring, bringing them income um, and player safety. But at the same time, you know, when the game is, <clears throat> when the fi finals, finals are usually scheduled a couple of years out before it actually happens. So it's really, really hard to predict that, you know, Mkhitaryan will be on Arsenal's side and the Arsenal will make it to the final. So that's kind of, I think that's their point. But at the same time, obviously, like, you know, it's it's not really sportsmanship when a club cannot really um, have all their best players uh, purely for, like, legal and traveling reason, reasons to have in the squad. Um, yeah, maybe Mkhitaryan is not a 100% starting lineup player, but it doesn't really matter at, at this point. Um, it's a very, very touchy topic, and uh, I think the Arsenal also kind of had this, you know, they just also also don't want to put any risk on the whole squad on Mkhitaryan as a player, and I don't think they just need that any, any type of uh, conflict uh, like like this and just like a, a story even like this and possibly if we could go and if anything goes wrong um which could potentially just like really negatively affect um their status as a club it's i i, I honestly don't have an opinion because it's such a complicated uh, topic and you need to mm -hmm. really know this the history about the karabakh and this relationship uh, it's just unfortunate that the player won't be able to play a uh, european cup final but yeah that's that's what we are i guess yeah yeah, it is a complicated, a complicated story. Um, I think overall, you know, I, I'm a bit of an offense myself. I mean, the, the Arsenal was actually part of the, or Ivan Gazidis was actually part of giving Avarding Paku, um, the final, um, the final there. And, you know, knowing full well that there is an Armenian playing there, but it is such a complicated story in itself. And, um, on the one hand, Baku and Azerbaijan are a UEFA member, you know, and on the other hand, um, what do you do when, when in, in this kind of situation? I think it, it, it's, it's very, very complicated with so many nuances involved. 
um it probably yeah as you said it's a big can of worm uh you know if you open it you'll never get the worms back in but yeah guys um you know we're almost out of time so i think we're just gonna leave it at this um that the fact that this is a situation that is pretty much unsolvable in one way or another um yeah yeah absolutely uh, completely complicated andrew i know um you are at this game so um i guess that is what you are going to plug yeah i'll be i'll be doing my report which will be out on, on footballgrad.com and i'll i'll do a, a, a reports piece afterwards as well um i'll see what happens on the pitch um anyway but so, I mean, in terms of off it i think it's it's an issue that's never realistically going to go away going to go away um i'm not talking about this specific one but the issue of where finals should be allocated um I, I, the only thing i would just like to say just simply is that this is a lot of people seem to be saying that it's about McLaren specifically. I don't see the issue as McLaren specific because UEFA and the Azerbaijan officials have given their assurances for his safety, um, like you mentioned, because they have for other Azeri sportsmen in the past. Um, but the actual decision in the first place to give it to Baku was the problem, I think, because the logistics of getting there, the expense of getting there, and the risk of mm. something like this all together. That was the real issue. Um, not McLaren specifically, it might be. But anyway. Um, I will probably write a comment or two about that later on, so you can see that on footballground.com. Yeah, excellent stuff. Tim, how about you? What do you have to plug this week? Well, uh, I just want to thank you for not talking about my club this on this episode because it's, <laughs> I, it has been so painful and uh, the pain will continue in the next season. So I just wanted to thank you too that we didn't touch uh, that topic. And uh, that's that's what I'm currently plugging in. And uh, yeah, people can find me as, as, as usual on Rocket from Russia, Instagram and Ra uh, Russian Tim 61 on Twitter. Uh, please don't ask me any questions about my club. <laughs> Uh, and his club is Spartak, and he's always happy to answer questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Manu. You're welcome. Um, yeah, so you can find this this podcast and all the other podcasts at Football Grad Live. And then, um, of course, uh, this one will be also posted on footballgrad.com. We're also on Facebook, Football Grad. Um, I've been traveling myself. I was at the German Cup final on Saturday, the, the final game of the Bundesliga season, match day 34. Um, I was in Gladbach. And, uh, yeah, then on Sunday I spoke to Alfonso Davies. That article is out on prosoccerusa.com. So, yeah, you can follow me at Manuel You can find all our content at FootballGrad live on Twitter. Well, that's it from this week. We'll be back next week, um, with some final reactions. Until then, dos vidanya. <laughs>
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.